Does anybody know what joy stands for? The three the three letters, Haven. Okay, it, it means happy, but J O Y all stand for something. Jesus, others, and you. Jesus and others and you. Uh, there's this cute little song that I'm going to sing for you. It's the only soul you will ever get out of me, and I, I hope it doesn't hurt your ears. Okay, here it goes. And this is, it's a catchy little tune that maybe all the kids should sing frequently, but it says, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others and you, in the life of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others you meet face to face. Y is for you in whatever you do. Put yourself third and spell joy. All right. So, I can't believe you guys are doing that. You're going to encourage me to do it again. Uh, you know, that's a catchy little tune. You know, and if you've known it, as I have since I was a child, we used to sing it very frequently on Sunday mornings. And uh, it's, a, it's a very good reminder that who do we have to put first in our life? Jesus. Who should we put second in our life? We should put others second in our life. And who should we put third in our life? We should put ourselves third in our life. The alternative to all that is to be fighting to put myself first. To say I am the most important and trying to convince my wife that I'm the most important. Trying to convince my kids that I should have first place or my coworkers. Well, you know, today is Palm Sunday. And you guys are familiar with Palm Sunday, uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 38. I'm going to read a couple of verses of what happened on Palm Sunday. And I want to just say briefly, first of all, that this is the way it should be for Jesus for all time. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 38. says, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with loud voice, for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. At that point, people are flocking to Jesus. They're walking with Jesus, and they're trying to declare to the whole world that Jesus is king. Jesus is the guy that they're going to follow. He's going to be the leader of their life, and they are excited. But if you know the Passion of the Week, that was only a few days ago. For us, it was probably two months ago, but for them, it was just a few days ago. And what does Jesus do from that point on? It's the same thing that he has always done. Jesus, who should be first, he puts others first. And he ultimately puts you first over himself. Today we're looking briefly at the time when Jesus is going to be on the cross. And he was willing to do that because he was willing to put other people's first. His whole life, his whole ministry, everything that Jesus has gone through since he was born as a baby to poor parents, he did that for others. Uh, when, he, when he went through life and he would skin his knees, it really did hurt. Uh, when he experienced the loss of somebody, he really did feel that pain. Remember in John chapter 11, 35, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Why was he weeping? Because his friend Lazarus has died. He knows he's going to raise him back to life, but he felt that pain and everything that he went through, he went through for, for you. He went through for uh, all mankind in order to be able to help us through those times. 
And you think at some point in his life, Jesus could say, okay, I've been on this earth for 33 years. I have taught everything. I have said everything. I have done all sorts of miracles. Now you guys are on your own. At some point, you think it's got to be time for Jesus to think about himself. But Jesus never stops to say, I'm only thinking about me. He always puts others above himself. And today we're going to look at four different opportunities that Jesus has to do that. To put himself first over other people. And he doesn't. So the first thing is when the women mourned for Jesus, Jesus comforted them. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, Jesus prayed for them. When the thief next to Jesus was willing, Jesus saved him. And when the battle grew long, Jesus won the victory. I want to pray and ask God again for his blessing on his word. God, thank you so much that you were the perfect example of humility, God, of putting other people first, of, of what ultimate sacrifice looks like. And I pray that, God, you'd help us to recognize where we, we succeed in our lives, where we are putting you first, where we're putting others second and putting ourselves third. God, you know that we're all just selfish human beings. You know that we don't always put you first in our life as we should. And I pray that you would reveal that to us today, that we put you first in our life, just like you put yourself uh, second. We, you put us first in, in your life. Help us to do the same for you. Again, I God, I just pray that this comes out clearly according to your word, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So opportunity number one where Jesus has to think about himself and he says, you know what, I'm going to think about others instead is when the women mourned for Jesus, Jesus comforted him or Jesus comforted them first. Now, before we get to exactly to that point, we've got to look at Jesus is at a point of desperate need. He can do absolutely nothing for himself. And so this man named Simon is called upon to help Jesus. Uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 26. It says, Now as they led him away, meaning Jesus, they laid hold of a certain man named Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So Simon is a man who's in Jerusalem. Probably for the Passover, there's nothing specific about why he's there. Maybe he believes in the Messiah. Maybe he's just some guy who happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe he's just walking down the road and all of a sudden he's getting pushed to the side because everybody in that culture knows what's coming. They know that somebody's going to be carrying a cross and they know exactly where that is trying to lead. And maybe he's just a guy that's just standing there. And as he's standing there, he sees this poor guy stumbling, trying to, he's beaten, he's bloody. He's trying to make it to his destination, and he falls right in front of him. And he was drafted by one of the soldiers in order to carry Jesus' cross to the finish line. And the way that might have worked was that uh, the soldiers would take their spear, and you know there's a flat point of the spear, there's the pointy sides, and they take that flat side, and they just tap you on the shoulder, as if to say, you have two choices. You can either get over here and carry this guy's cross, or you can deal with the end of the spear. What are you going to choose? And so Simon doesn't really want to do this. This guy, he doesn't know. He, he's going to look like a criminal himself if he's carrying this cross. It's bloody. It's dirty. It's, it's heavy. You know, it's, it's not what he anticipated doing. But he was willing to go because he had two choices. You either carry the cross, or you're going to be dealing with the end of the spear. And then Simon was going to follow Jesus to the crucifixion, because Jesus could not do it himself. It brings a verse to mind, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to all of them, If anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Obviously, that's not going to be a wooden beam that we have to carry. But it's doing what God has asked you to do in this life. And it's going to be difficult at times. But you have to say yes, and you've got to put Jesus first. So now, we get to this point where the women want to comfort Jesus. They, they want, they're, they're trying to bless Jesus, but Jesus turns the table and decides to bless them instead. Verse 27 says, And a great multitude of the people followed him, and the women who also mourned and lamented him. Now, this could be a number of different women. This could be the, the uh, professional mourners, those who were paid to put on a show. And they did it well. They cried, and it was very authentic looking. And they beat their breasts, and they were mourning loud about what Jesus had to go through. But there were also sympathetic women. They, were go they would follow almost anybody to the cross because they felt sorry for what this person was going to have to suffer, what they were going to have to go through. And they would try to give that that prisoner, the guy who's going to die, little opiates or little drugs in order to deaden the pain. But they were just sympathetic with anybody going through that situation. But there's also Mary, and there was also the women who followed Jesus who were there at the cross, and they were there when Jesus was crucified and, and when he was put in the tomb, and they were there when Jesus rose again because they wanted to put the spices on Jesus' body. They were there. All these women were following Jesus, and instead of of Jesus saying, yeah, I'm going to cry the blues and say, you know what, this isn't fair. I don't like this. Uh, how dare they do this kind of thing? So he says, you know what? You guys, I want you to change your perspective. I want you to change your attitude. Don't dwell on worry about me. You guys got to worry about yourself because of what you guys are going to go through. Verses 28 to 31. But Jesus, turning to them, said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren women, uh, the, the wombs that have never bore, and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done when they are dry? Jesus is speaking about something that we have looked at in the past. Uh, Luke chapter 21, about the destruction of Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, Wait a second, you know what? You guys are going to have to go through a tough time yourself. Um, and it's going to be better for those who have never born, those who have never nursed, that have never experienced having kids. Now, in that culture, if you never had a kid, women, you never had a kid, you could be divorced for that reason. It doesn't seem very fair because we know it takes two to tango. And, and that woman who never could uh, bear a child, it was a disgrace. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You guys are going to be facing a tough time because when the destruction of Jerusalem comes, which will be 70 AD, and they don't know that specific date, uh, it's going to be terrible. The Romans are going to come and they're going to siege the city and, and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die and those who escape are going to be prisoners and are going to be put to death in other ways. He says, don't worry about me. Worry about you. Worry about your kids. Worry about the nation of Israel that's going to have to deal with this. That passage of Scripture deals with 70 AD when the destruction of Jerusalem is going to take place. But it also deals with going, what's going to happen at the end times during the Great Tribulation. Uh, you find it di discussed in other places. And in, in Revelation chapter 6, you find what we read here about uh, verse 30, where they say to the mountains, fall on us, rocks cover us, because they're not going, it's as if they're not going to be able to die to end the torment, the misery that they're in. So they're saying, rocks, at least cover us, at least hide us from this destruction that's going on. It says, worry about yourself. Don't worry about me. 
Now, how many of you, if you think you're in Jesus' shoes, uh, are going to be thinking that way? I'm in a bad, tough situation in my life. Am I all of a sudden trying to comfort the people who are comforting me? How many of you have ever, ever gone to the hospital to visit somebody or to somebody's house and you want to go comfort them and all of a sudden you turn around to be the blessed person? Uh, you know, I remember when and Fred passed away. I, it was my first funeral here and it was a very scary situation for me. I didn't really know anybody. And I was, it was traumatic. It was hard. And I went out there thinking, like, how in the world am I going to comfort anybody at this house? And I left that house almost walking on air because they made me feel so good, uh, so accepted. And here I was, the one trying to comfort them. They did the exact same thing. They turned it around. I said, I'm going to bless this scared little pastor trying to comfort us. And that's what Jesus is doing. He said, get your eyes off of me. You guys focus on yourself. That, my friends, is Jesus loving others. That's Jesus loving others. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, what did Jesus do for them? He prayed for them. Verses 32 to 34. Since there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You guys think of the word crucify. We know that is not a fun word. We know that it comes with uh, a lot of negative, painful kinds of things. And it's like, I want to stop there and just say they crucified him. But if, you st if, you, if you're willing to take the time to think about what did this man have to really go through, you say that is a terrible experience. Because first, before Jesus got crucified, he got whipped. He got flogged. Uh, it was designed to be torturous and painful. You have the leather straps with rocks and other objects that are made to stick into the body. And when they pull it away to pull chunks out of the flesh, and it's over and over again on painful uh, flesh wound, bleeding wounds over and over. And a lot of people passed out fairly quickly because their bodies could not take it. A number of people died from that experience. So if you just lived through that experience, that said something. But then Jesus, he had to carry this cross, and he had to walk down the road, which was the longest possible way to get to the place of the crucifixion. And when he got there, they had to, they had to tie his hands with a rope to help support him. But they also put the nail, and either here or in here, depending on whoever you talk to and however, but they had to tie that rope because you had enough body weight that you could pull through uh, through your hands, be, trying to support your whole body. So they had to have something else to support it. They had to put the, the little base on the, the foot uh, with a nail spike in that so they could help themselves breathe. It was the most excruciating, painful thing that you could experience. And that's even if it was just me, healthy right now, getting on the cross, but Jesus being beaten and trying, he was leaning against this pokey, this, this uh, slivery piece of wood, trying to put himself up. He's got cramps, he's dehydrated, he's got every sort of issue, and he's like, all I have to do is just endure this until I die. There's no hope of, of getting off. And Jesus went through that. And let me tell you, that's exactly the opposite of, Jesus does the opposite of what I would be thinking of. If you put me on the cross, I'm not going to be thinking about you. I'm going to be thinking about me. And what am I going through? And, and especially Jesus, he was unjustly, judged and condemned to death. He's being crucified for sins that he did not commit. 
But Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to pray for my enemies. And that's something that he taught his disciples to do in Luke chapter 6, 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And that's what Jesus does when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's not talking about every possible sin that they've committed. But he's talking about this. If these guys understood who Jesus was, they would not be putting him to the cross. They would not be partaking of it. They would have fought tooth and nail to say, I'm not the one putting Jesus there uh, on that cross. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And that could be any number of people, just the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Jesus, instead of calling down his angels to say, do take care of these people, he says, God, Father, forgive these people. That, my friends, is Jesus loving others. So when the women mourned for Jesus, Jesus comforted them. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, Jesus prayed for them. And next we see when the thief uh, next to Jesus was willing, Jesus saved him. Verses 39 to 43, we'll look at here in just a second. Jesus is placed upon the cross between two other criminals, just like as if he was guilty, just like it was no different from any other day, which uh, Isaiah 53, 12 prophesied, it says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was put up there just like you and I, like anybody guilty, condemned to death. But he did that uh, willingly, even though he was innocent. Verses 39 to 43. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered him, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, one of the most beautiful words you'll ever hear. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Two criminals who are on the crosses deserving everything that they are getting. One of, one of them rightly understands that Jesus is innocent, that Jesus is getting something that he does not deserve. And all he does is ask Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. In, in Jesus' eyes, this guy's putting his faith in him. He's not saying a magical words or some special prayer saying, uh, did I get it exactly right? Jesus, you're the Savior. You died on the cross. Please forgive me for my sins. Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew that he was putting his faith in him. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah uh, points out, I have the Dr. David Jeremiah study Bible, and, and kind of in the Bible, in the bottom, he points out that this guy had no time to join a church. This guy had no option to be baptized or any op opportunity to do any good works, which is showing salvation is that easy. And as soon as that guy took his last breath, he was up in heaven in paradise with Jesus. Because Jesus died first, as soon as this guy dies second, he's immediately in paradise with Jesus. Salvation is that easy. That all goes to show you that you do not have to go to church to be saved. But let me tell you, don't use that as an opportunity not to go to church. Uh, you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. But don't let that be an excuse not to be baptized. You don't have to do any good works to earn salvation. But don't let that stop you from doing what God has asked you to do. 
whatever good works those are. You know, this criminal on the cross, he had no opportunity to get down off that cross. He could have begged and pleaded, say, give me one more chance, and they were giving him nothing. They didn't care if he went to hell. They didn't care if he felt guilt or shame. He did not have that opportunity. But I bet you, if he could get off that cross, if he could have just one more chance, he would have joined a church. He would have joined a fellowship of people, and he would have been there all the time to hear about Jesus. He would have been the guy joining, trying to take that disciple, uh, Judas's spot to say, hey, I'm going to get out there and I want to share uh, the message of salvation with people. He would have been, I'm the first in line to get baptized, even though water would have been going through the holes of my hands, right? He said, I would have been there. And he would have done every good work that he could have possibly done, not because he was going to earn salvation, but because he appreciated his salvation so much. But he did not get the opportunity to. But guess what? Everybody in here has the opportunity to come to church to, to, to hear the message of salvation, to hear what God wants you to hear in church. Yes, you get it in your Bible. Yes, you get it on the radio. But you can get it here as well. You have the opportunity to be baptized. You say the words, we'll fill it, fill it up, we'll heat it up, and we'll have a baptism. You have the option or the opportunity to do good works at any time. Whether you, whether you have a day left of life or whether you have 20 or 50 years left of life, you have that opportunity. The criminal, at the last moment of his life, put his faith in Jesus, and Jesus saved him. That, my friends, is Jesus loving others. So now, when the battle gets long, Jesus won the victory. Verses 44 to 46. It says, now it was dark, or it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus has cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, I, I don't know if, like I've already kind of admitted that if I was Jesus in his shoes, hmm, I, 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 wouldn't, I couldn't even say nice words. You know, I, that would have been me saying every thing I shouldn't say, but Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to see this to completion. Now, the, and it, everything, like I said, everything that we would have felt on that cross, I mean, you would have felt pain in your hands. You would have felt the, the sting of, of the, the sweat and the pain on your back rubbing against that cross. Everything that you would have felt, Jesus went through. Now, there's this, this word, it's called docetism. It really doesn't matter, except for that it states that Jesus only seemed to have a human body. Uh, meaning that death and suffering for Jesus was only an illusion. That, my friends, is false. Jesus felt and endured every ounce of pain that you could possibly endure at, at that time. And then in John 19.30, Jesus says, it is finished. And this isn't some wimpy, sad, I'm giving up, I'm tired, I'm worn out. Okay, finally, I finished. This was a statement of victory. It is finished. I have completed this. It is all done. And you know what Jesus has left to do now? Celebrate? Right? That's what he's got left to do. He's up in heaven right now celebrating with all the other people. Yeah, he's at the right hand of God, but he he's has interaction with those people. He just has, he doesn't have to go back through pain. He doesn't have to go back through rejection. He, he's already defeated that at the cross. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Galatians, Ephesians Philippians chapter 2, and it's something that I'm sure that you will recognize. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. 
It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. This is where you find Jesus, who deserves first place, saying, I'm going to put others first, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of a man and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that at the tongue, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All Jesus has left to do. I mean, he's going to come back at the end of the tribulation. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to defeat Satan, but that's really not going to take much. He's already defeated death. He's already suffered on the cross. He's already given us the opportunity of salvation. Jesus died on the cross for all those other people. He died on the cross for those women who are mourning for him. He died on the cross for those thieves hanging next to him. He died on the cross for those who are mocking him and making fun of him. For those who are putting that nail in his hand and pounding it in there, he died for them. He died for all those out there in Plevna, in Baker, for those in Africa. That's Jesus loving others. But he also died to pay on the, the price on the cross for you. And that is Jesus loving you. And we get all sorts of different responses from this. We get, we're going to look at three responses. This end of the spectrum, this middle ground, and this side of the spectrum. The first you find in verses 35 to 38. And this is when Jesus is getting put on the cross. And it's from the religious rulers. And it says, And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour, sour wine, and saying, If you are the king, save yourself. So you have these people who said, You know what, this is all a joke. I don't want this. I'm mad at this. Good, Jesus is getting what he deserves. But even after the fact, because you would think with Jesus rising from the dead, and there's proof that they would say, okay, I want this. But after the fact, you, you go to the, the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 5 through 10, you find these same people who are still trying to stop Jesus. They're trying to stop his disciples from sharing the message because they don't want it. When Jesus rose from the dead, you had these guards guarding the tomb. And guess what? That couldn't stop Jesus from coming out. And so the religious leaders, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to finally accept the truth, they said, here, take some money and shut up, okay? Tell everybody that only the, the, the disciples came and somehow took Jesus' body. That was, a, that was an offense punishable by death because the king, or not the king, but uh, the ruler had said, you know what, this needs to stay guarded. But they said, we're going to do it anyway instead of accepting the truth. And a lot of people look at it the same way. Uh, they, they look at the truth about Jesus. They see it in his word. They see lives that are changed. Uh, they, they find it in history, things that have really taken place, and they go, no, 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 no. I don't want it. I don't care. I don't believe it. And they just, they don't want nothing to do with it. Please, don't make that be you. You find the people uh, kind of on the middle ground. These, these are the people who kind of have this attitude of, oh, no, what have we done? We, they have the shame. They have the guilt. But they do nothing about it. Verses 47 to 48. So when the centurion, this is after Jesus has died, uh, the centurion saw what had happened. He glorified God, saying, certainly this man was a righteous man. 
And the whole crowd came together to that site, seeing what had been done. They beat their breasts and they returned. This guy isn't saying, uh, certainly this was a righteous man. Like, yay. He's like, oh no. Certainly this was a righteous man. I cannot believe what we just did. This guy did not deserve this punishment that he took. And all the people came and they, they looked on. And they saw, oh, ugh, I don't know what to do about this. Jesus died and all they had was their shame and their guilt when they walked away. I wish they would have at least tried to talk to the disciples and said, okay, what's next? Or, or what do I do? But they just walked away in their, their shame, overwhelmed by their guilt. And a lot of people do that as well. A lot of people around the world, they have this feeling of guilt. I know that I'm not a righteous person. I know that there's a God out there. I know I need something, but they do nothing with it. They just run around with guilt because they have committed this sin and they have walked in this wrong way and they, they just... They don't take the opportunity to go figure out what's the truth. They just hang on to their guilt, and they do nothing with it. But then you have the people who hang on to Jesus, even though they don't fully understand what Jesus did. Verses 49 to 56, uh, or how about verse 50 to 56? It says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed, he also was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, he wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever been laid before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Verse 55 says, And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed him, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. You have this, this guy named Joseph of Arimathea. What does he do? He says, you know what? Jesus, this guy that has put my faith in, he died. But I don't understand. He's thinking, yeah, the, the proper thing to do is to put him in this tomb. He's expecting him to stay there. These women are, are seeing where Jesus is laid. They're going to run home and make up some spices. And then on, on uh, Sunday morning, they're going to race off to the tomb so they can wrap or they can properly uh, put these spices on Jesus' body. They don't fully understand, but they say, we're going to hang on to this Jesus anyway. Because they could have just said, well, uh, I guess that was wrong. I guess that was a lost cause. But they said, no, we're going to see this through. And a lot of people do that today. And I imagine there's people in here who say, I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. I mean, I look into that and I say, Jesus, I don't understand how you love me. Okay, because, I mean, maybe people look at me and say, wow, he's a pastor and he looks like a good guy. But God knows every wicked thing that I have ever done. And I don't know how he's forgiven me and had grace on me over and over again. I'm just going to say thank you, God, and keep going to him uh, for that grace. Jesus cared about the other people of that day, but Jesus also cared about you. So whatever little bit of knowledge that you have, hang on to it. Don't say I don't get it and so I'm going to move on. Hang on to that little bit and increase it in your knowledge, and hopefully the better you'll come you'll come to a better understanding of why Jesus did what he did. Almost done. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, our scripture reading. Why did Jesus do all this? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable 
and the perfect will of God. That is not what I was thinking. Thank you. That's exactly what I was looking at. It's, it's thank you. See, God knows that I'm not perfect. Okay, Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay off aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had joy. He knew what was coming. He knew what was going to come out of all of this. And he says, it's all worth it. He did this for others. He did this for you because it was worth it. So now, I got to go through J-O-Y, and I got to ask you a few questions. J is for Jesus. Do you live for Jesus? Do you give him first and uh, first place and priority in your life that he deserves? Do you say no to temptations and, and yes to the opportunities of obedience? Do you put Jesus first? Always for others. Do you think of others enough to tell them the good news of salvation? This good news is for everyone. At any point in their life, it is never too late. Do you put others second? Why is for you? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because sometimes that has to come first. Why has to come first before the J and the O? Because if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, there's no way that you can put him first. But after you have put your faith in Jesus, put him first. Put others second. Put yourself third. And you're going to spell joy. I won't sing you the song again, but I want you to remember. Jesus first, others second. Put yourself third and spell joy. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for being the perfect example of coming to this cross uh, by, by being a sacrifice for me. God, I know you did it for me. Even if it was only me, God, you did it for me. Thank you, God, that you thought of others. Even those people who did not want, want to trust you as their Savior, God, you thought about them. And God, for us who have put our faith in you for salvation, I pray that you would remind us this simple word of joy that we make sure we put you first and others second and put ourselves third. And God, by chance, if somebody here does not know you as their Savior, please don't let them leave the doors of this church without trusting you as their Savior. It's a free gift, and it's easy, and you have made it uh, available to each one of us. Thank you, God, for joy. In Jesus' name, 